The following is produced by Artisan Church. Welcome to the Artisan Church Podcast, a weekly broadcast of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. To learn more about Artisan Church or to support the ministry, visit www.artisanchurch.com. So I want to talk about this tree for a minute. This is uh, one of four trees that you've seen around the building this morning. Um, the other two are in the corners here, and then there's one outside in the, in the foyer. And you notice that this tree is in a kind of a plastic pot. And when you buy a tree from a garden center, that's usually how it comes, in a pot, funny thing about a tree in a pot, strictly speaking, it is a tree. Biologically, it is of the genus and species, whatever, whatever, that makes it a tree. Makes it this particular kind of tree, perhaps. But as long as it's in this pot, I would suggest to you that this is a tree in name only. It's tree-ish. A tree in a pot, I don't want to get too, like, goofy nature boy on you here, but a tree in a pot cannot fulfill its tree-ish destiny. It can't do all the things that we like about trees, right? can't make any fruit. It's not going to provide very much shade. It's not going to grow and be so strong that it lasts across generations, And maybe most importantly for this particular tree, it will never produce any seed that will ensure that it's not the last of its kind. And the reason that a tree in a pot can't do any of those things is because its roots are confined to this small little space. The the roots cannot go into the soil and get deeper and bigger. You know, if you uh, uproot a tree from out there somewhere, you would see that the, the roots are enormous. In some cases, they're as big or even bigger than the, the plant that you see above the ground. This tree, if we leave it here, will never become what it's supposed to be. And what I want to suggest to you all is that right now, Artisan Church is a little bit like a tree in a pot. If you don't know our, our history as a church, you may wonder why I'm saying that. There's a, maybe a couple reasons, but the biggest one that I want to focus on today is that we don't own this building. If you're new here, have been coming here for a while, you may have no idea. You could be forgiven for assuming that we own this building. Uh, we're the only ones who do anything here. Uh, we have full 24-7 control of it, but we are tenants. We rent this space, and it's a beautiful space, and we love it, but it doesn't belong to us. And over the past, I'd say, half a decade or so, we have done some pretty incredible ministry starting here with this building as our base of operations, if you will. But it's never been a permanent situation. It's not a permanent situation as it stands. 
the building needs to be sold by the people who do own it. And so what we have is an opportunity, I would say, to be deeply rooted in this place. To take ourselves out of the pot that we are in and to put our roots deep into the soil where God has called us and placed us. And to build on the calling that he has given us. And so over the next four weeks, we are going to be talking about the why and the how of becoming deeply rooted in this place. And I, I look around and I can see out the windows and I, I just see this place. And it's our place, but it's not our place. And so this is sort of a kind of a family business kind of series this four weeks. But if you're visiting with us, don't be worried. We'll, we'll still talk about things that are uh, relevant to you and your life, I'm, I'm, I'm confident. And we'll still do all the normal things that we do when we gather to worship God in this place. Um, you might want to take these next four weeks, weeks to get to know the community a little bit. Um, but but uh, it's very likely, I, I think, and I'm certainly hopeful, that this series will be uh, useful, if you will, to, to everybody who's in the room during this time. But it's an important topic. It's, it's, it's quite a serious topic, if I can be honest with you. As a matter of fact, um, I would go so far as to say that this is probably going to be the most important series that we have ever done here at Artisan Church, at least as it pertains to our life together. And because I say that, because it is so important to me and to you and to all of us, I'd like to pause for just a minute for a word of prayer to, to uh, maybe push us off in the right direction, on the right foot. Let me ask you this. Would you be willing, please, to, to take a moment of silent prayer, maybe listening prayer, opening your heart and your mind to what God might have to say to you today and over the next few weeks? And... Um, after that, I'll, I'll pray a spoken prayer for us. So just take a minute of silent prayer, if you would, please. God, we give you this time and we open our hearts and our minds to you. And we want to listen to the words that you would have uh, for us. And we pray that you would challenge each of us in a new way. And that in, in all these things, as always, even, even with this somewhat specialized topic, that, that your spirit would be among us and real to us and that it would draw us closer to each other and to you as we hear these words from uh, the gospel proclaimed and as we respond at your table and in all that we do this morning. We pray it would, it would give you and your son Jesus glory. Amen. Well, these particular trees, the, the three in here and the one out there, happen to be fruit trees. Specifically, they're apple trees. And if you're a tree nerd, you might be interested to know we have, um, it's two pink ladies, one Fuji, and one Empire, which is uh, my favorite. 
So we have four fruit trees. And if we were to plant these four trees, which I hope that someday soon we will do and make it through the winter, they will produce apples for us. How many were at uh, Apple Cider Days yesterday? Okay, uh, all the rest of you put up your hands. How many of you are losers? No, <laughs> that is not nice of me at all. Um, but really, you did lose out. And so in that sense, maybe it's true. Um, no, but Apple Cider Days, as you know, is the happiest day of the year at Artisan. And um, we go and uh, pick apples at an orchard. Um, or those of us who are a little more economical, maybe go to the grocery store and get some apples. And we bring them back here and we crush them into oblivion and turn them into fresh cider. And it's the most delicious thing ever. But next year at Cider Days, it's possible that we could pull apples off of these trees, these very trees, and make them into cider. The, the people who know tree biology right now are going, mm-mm. <laughs> it's going to take a while. Someday, <laughs> at Cider Days, we will pull apples off these trees um, and use them to make cider. In fact, I, it's, it's very easy for me to imagine my grandchildren pulling apples off these trees. Any objections, knowledgeable tree people? No, those could, they could last that long, right? As long as we plant them. Again, if we keep them in the pots, there's not going to be any apples. Ever. And so one reason we're starting with this topic today, the topic of fruit, is because the Bible is chock full of fruit stories and metaphors and parables and all kinds of things. And one of my favorite ones uh, comes from John 15. And uh, if you'd like to follow along with me as I read this passage, you can do so. You have Bibles under your chairs, or maybe you brought one with you. If you're using the one under your chair, it's on page 878. Um, We're not going to have the words for this passage on the screen. So read along or follow along with your ears if you're you're an, an auditory person. Chapter 15. Uh, Verses 12 through 17. Jesus speaking says these words. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer because the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my Father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask him in my name. I am giving you these commandments so that you may love one another. The passage begins and ends with what I think is one of the most profound and beautiful statements in Scripture which is to love one another. He starts by saying, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. And he ends this little passage by saying, I'm giving you these commands so that you may love one another. If you want to know how to live life as a Christian, in other words, like Christ, you could probably follow this one simple command and you'd be doing it. (laughs) I mean, How amazing is that? If you love one another as Christ has loved you, if you really actually live that out and obey that commandment, 
that's it. Like, that, as far as like doing the work of being a Christian, that's what Jesus commands. Jesus says a lot of things, um, but in, in a few places he makes these very broad, generalized statements about what he wants of us. But as simple as that is, love one another as I have loved you, it is in no way easy. I make this distinction from time to time between something that is simple, in other words, basic and easy to understand, and something that is easy, that is, doesn't require very much effort. This is definitely in the first category. It's simple. Love one another as I've loved you. It is not easy. I mean, love one another, that's hard enough, especially because some of us are idiots. Right? <laughs> like, I can love you, I can love you, I can love you, I can love you. Uh, right? You get to me and you're like, I'm um, sorry. No, that guy's a jerk. <laughs> But to love one another as Jesus loved us, that's even crazier. Um, because in case you didn't catch this part of the story, Jesus laid down his life and died a horrible death for us, for you and for me and for all of us. That is the demonstration of Christ's love. And he, in fact, goes on to say that because uh, if, if you didn't know that, it's, you're in good company because his disciples at the time, uh, as is their tradition, had no idea what he was talking about. And he went on to say, there is no greater love than laying down one's life for one's friends. You may have memorized this if you were a Sunday school person, as greater love hath no man than this, that he lay down a life, his life for a friend. And so he goes on to explain, this is exactly what he's talking about. This is, this is what it means to love one another as I love you. So it's a big, big calling. Simple but not easy. And so much of our identity and calling as a church is based on that simple command from Jesus to love one another. Think about it. If, 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 you, know, uh, if you know Artisan pretty well, you, you can probably recite our mission statement, right? Encounter God, embrace people, engage culture in the way of Jesus. That part in the middle about embrace people, that's loving one another. And the one another that extends beyond just the, the ones who are in the in crowd, I mean, literally in this room, it means loving all the one another's. It's right there in our mission statement. And at least a couple of our values, we have five values, awe, beauty, roots, community, and justice, just pour directly out from the idea of loving one another. I mean, the value of community speaks to how we love and interact with each other. It's as simple as that. And the value of justice, in many ways, speaks to loving the one another's who are outside this place, especially those who are in the, in the deepest need. So it's in our DNA to love one another. And so much of the, the actual physical ministry that we do flows out of the idea of loving one another, doesn't it? I mean, think about the things that we've done just in the last year in the last year, we've, we've commissioned two of our members to, tr to travel to Southeast Asia to do development and missions work in one of the poorest provinces in the world and in, in, in the epicenter of the 2004 tsunami. I mean, the part that just got slammed. In the past year, we have, uh, as a church, raised money to build 
Not our, not our first or our second, but our third rainwater collection tank in Uganda. And you've heard about that if you've been around. You've seen the pictures and that kind of stuff. We've uh, just, just recently, in this ministry year, starting this June, we've redoubled our efforts to reach out to the poor right here at home in the city of Rochester. And there's, I mean, there's some really awesome stuff underway there. And you'll you hear more about that in the, in the days and weeks to come. And all of this, while we're doing our best to share the love of Jesus with anybody who comes in these doors, and specifically to that group of people whom we are most uniquely equipped to serve. And what I mean by that is the people who say, I could never fit in at church. I just was the third wheel. I was the odd man out. I was the stick out like a sore thumb. I just didn't fit until I found Artisan, and somehow that was home for me. I've heard people say that so many times over the years, and honestly, I can't think of something more wonderful to hear a person say about this place. All of these things, our mission to embrace people, our values of community and justice, all this amazing ministry during the last year and in the years that preceded it, all of it, that is the fruit that Jesus has appointed us to bear. Remember, Jesus said that. In the middle of this little love one another sandwich that he makes is all this stuff about fruit. Well, one very poignant verse. The end of verse 16. I appointed you. He's talking to his disciples, but can we imagine for a moment that he's talking to artisan church? I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. So he doesn't just call us to bear a little bit of fruit for a short period of time. If he had called us to that, we would be done. Six and a half years of fruit. And I think pretty good fruit, if I can boast on you guys just a little bit. The stuff that we've done in this time has been awesome. But Jesus does not call us to bear a little bit of fruit for a short period of time. He calls us to bear fruit that will last. And if we're going to bear fruit that will last, we have to get out of the pot. Because trees in pots don't bear fruit. You know, the, uh, the psalm that we read at a call to, as our call to worship this morning concluded with this beautiful stanza. And, and this will be on the screen. You can follow along if you like. I love this. It's beautiful. It says, it says, The righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. In old age, they still produce fruit. They are always green and full of sap, showing that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. In old age, they still produce fruit. That is what I want for us. I love that verse. In old age, they still produce fruit. Don't you want that too? Isn't it amazing to think? I mean, I was talking about apples earlier. My, my grandkids, should I ever have any, could eat the apples from this little tree, the one that I have my hands on right now. That's pretty cool. Uh, that's biology. 
But my grandkids and your grandkids could still be here in this building, in this place, continuing to produce the fruit that Jesus appointed us to bear. And that's pretty incredible to think about. Now, earlier I said that if you keep a tree in a pot for its whole life, um, you're kind of missing the point. <laughs> but actually, I got thinking about this. And, uh, and the truth is that we, and here by we, I mean the people of Artisan Church, inherited a tree just like that. You're chuckling. If, you, if, if you're chuckling, it's because you've been here long enough to know that we had a tree that the, uh, the congregation that built this building had. It was a decorative tree um, in the strictest sense. Uh, and they left it here when they closed. They, they, they couldn't go on anymore, and they closed, uh, and they left the tree behind when they, when they left. And that tree made its way around this building from room to room to room, <laughs> like in this room, and nobody wanted it in here, so it went down there, and then it got in somebody's way, and they moved it somewhere else. And um, pretty soon, we put it outside. <laughs> like, I'm sick of this tree. It's a tree, it was a tree in a pot, right, on, on a little wheels. And it got put outside, where, if you remember, it spent the winter. You know what? Hang on just for a second, because I have this tree. I'm going to go get it. Hang on, I'll be right back. This is the tree, or uh, what's left of it. You can see that um, we lost the pot. (laughs) Um, What is the biological term for what this tree is? Dead. (laughs) Firewood. Firewood, I don't know if that's biology or not. I don't remember that, but I was more of a humanities guy. Um, (laughs) Yes, the word I was looking for was dead. Thank you, tree people. This tree is dead. Um, In fact, watch this and listen for this. There is no no sap, no lifeblood in this tree. (laughs) Yes, it, it may have a future life as a home for carpenter ants or as kindling or something. Um... (laughs) I lost my notes. Thank you, Tim. And this is, uh, we're laughing at this tree, and that's good, but this is what happens to a tree in a pot if you don't take it out of the pot and put it in the ground. It becomes, what's that biological word again? Firewood. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Matter of fact, uh, Let's see if I can find it. It's just off the top of my head here. Is this the passage we read at Confession? What was that from? It was from um, Matthew 3. Matthew chapter 3. Verse 10. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. 
That's uh, not the rosiest picture, but John the Baptist was a bit of a weirdo. (laughs) Jesus said some similar things, however. Trees that don't produce fruit are kind of pointless, Um, and they die, and they get chopped up, and they do get, they, they become firewood, like that. And so let me say it again. Artisan Church is a tree in a pot right now. As we sit in this room, it's a pot for us. And we've gotten by in the pot for some time here. But we have two potential fates that await us as a church. And much like uh, Ebenezer Scrooge with the, uh, the ghosts of Christmas future, we can see probably either one of them. The one fate is the fate of this uh, dead ficus tree. Okay? The other fate is the fate that we could imagine for this apple tree, which is to be planted in the ground and to be here when my grandkids are ready to climb in it and pick its apples. And we have the choice of which fate we want to end up living into. Uh, and that's what this... That's what this uh, series and this whole campaign is all about, is becoming deeply rooted, building on the calling that God has given us. Um, if, you, uh, if you have seen me on Facebook or Twitter recently, which I don't necessarily recommend because I don't really know when to shut up, um, but uh, you've, you've heard me say, and maybe you've heard me say it out loud, that I'm, I've been so blessed by the amazing work that so many great people have done here at Artisan to get us ready for this series. And um, you're going to see a couple of examples of that. One is the visuals on the screen, and, and um, that's fantastic. Another one is a, a video that we had made. And some of you were interviewed for this video, and some of you um, were here when the cameraman was coming around. And uh, that was done by our friend Brian Pinkowski, who uh, has other Sunday morning commitments. We don't get to see him very often, but he may have been pressing your apples yesterday because uh, he's always here on Saturdays. Uh, and he's a, a talented videographer. And uh, so we have a video And I'd like to show that to you now. church is this? Artisan is such a comfortable place. you got to come to this place. You won't believe it. It doesn't feel like a place where you can just get lost very easily. It's just a really exciting thing to think about a place that is ours. It's so important to have a place that we can come to, that we can call home. As soon as I walked on the doors of Artisan, it was just the most amazing thing because I'd never gone to any church ever in my whole life where everyone was so accommodating and nice and just and, and welcoming. That's what I like about artisan. Whenever I walk around the city, I always stop to look at these big old stone churches, churches that have been there for a hundred years. And I always find it so inspiring. I think about how These churches, these people have been sharing the love of Jesus with their neighborhoods since before my grandparents were born. And it makes me think, what will Artisan be like in a hundred years? What kind of fruitful ministry will we have done in that period of time? How many weary spiritual travelers will have found us to be a place of shelter? 
And will we be ready at that point to go for another hundred years? And what kind of new ministries and maybe even new churches will have started, will have sprung up as a result of the ministry that we've done? One of the things that really appealed to me about Artisan is just that it's not just within the, inside the four walls of the church, but they really live out the message of, you know, the teachings of Jesus, going out into the community and trying to do the works of Christ in other people's lives. Reach really encouraged to be the church and not just come to a building and um, to also be a part of the greater Rochester community and even just the, to really, you know, blossom as a, a community of believers. People are really wanting to come together and, and serve together. All the incredible ministry that happens outside this building, whether it's serving the poor in our own city of Rochester or whether it's building rainwater collection tanks in Uganda or doing development and missions work in Asia, none of those things can happen if we don't have a strong base of operations right here. If we don't have a building where we can start these ministries and sustain them. When I came in 2007, I was having a crisis of faith. I never really had anyone be so direct with me. Someone who was just genuine, didn't really want to judge. But I come to this church because I know that people won't judge me and will just allow me to be. Um, Artisan, I feel, is very, uh, very welcoming to people who are at different points in their journey. There was no that proverbial finger in my face. It felt um, very safe here. I could just come and express my doubt. And it feels good that I could share my faith with my family for what I think the first time in my whole life it felt really good to have them receptive and open to it. I, I fully support, you know, Artisan's vision of being really firmly rooted in this community. I see a really long-term future here with um, us and our family and our friends and our life. We do need a place to come and gather in this building. This place has become home for us. And it's just the most amazing thing to know that we get to be in that environment and, and never have to worry about, well, we should probably, we are going to move or we have to go somewhere else or, but to know that this is the place that we know that we can be as a family and grow as a family with the community of the church. We need to be reaching out to the community, reaching out to other people. You know, I think continuing the mission of the church, it just makes sense that we invest in that. I went to a church and said, you guys have to come and they did. Never happened before, never. Because I felt so good about it, I wanted them to know about it. Whether you're gonna be here for a year or 20 years, but investing in this place, because the, the work that we put into it, the effort uh, that we put into it really has eternal uh, results. I want us to be here for the next century. But I don't believe that that can happen unless we become deeply rooted in this place where God has called us to do ministry. The next step that we have to take is to purchase this building, because if we don't have the building, none of the ministry that we want to do, none of the ministry that God has called us to do can happen. And so what I would say to people who have made artisans such a part of their lives over the past several years, who have encountered God in this place, is that 
This can't happen without your generosity and your sacrifice. And so, please, seek God, listen for His voice, and consider what He might be calling you to do to be part of this great opportunity that we have to be deeply rooted in this place today, tomorrow, and for generations to come. Pretty cool, right? <laughs> um, so we're going to be talking about this for four weeks here. And um, each week I'm going to give you something that I'd like to ask you to do. And what I'd like to ask you to do this first week, actually two things this first week. <laughs> um, the first thing is I, I've got these booklets that we produced. And this is another amazing, amazing bit of work that uh, some people here did. Uh, and would you guys bring those in, please, and, and pass those out? I'd like each one of you to take these. Uh, even if you are a couple, you probably still could take two. We've got plenty of them to go around. So um, you can take one for each of you. And uh, all I'd like to ask you to do, as far as this booklet is concerned, is this week to read through it. It's, a, it's a shorter than a children's book. <laughs> it's 12 pages. It's got lots of pictures. <laughs> right? So... Um, Please take a look at this this week um, because it, it contains uh, some details about how, how you can be involved with this campaign and uh, of what we're, what we're actually asking of, of you and of, of each other, really. Now, don't read it now. I said this week. Come on. <laughs> um, the other thing that I'd like to ask you to do this week is to join me in a Thursday fast. This can look... However you'd like. It doesn't have to be fasting all day. If you've never tried fasting before, we don't have time to, to go into the nitty-gritty of it, but it can take a variety of forms. You could fast from, if you're like a 10-cup-a-day coffee person, uh, you probably don't want to fast from coffee, but, um, you know, you could just choose not to have coffee or not to have snacks or not to have lunch, or you could make it an all-day fast. Your body will take that, uh, especially if it's something you've done before. You'll be fine with that. Um, I would like our whole community, uh, and this is going to be this is going to happen throughout the four-week campaign. Each Thursday, we're going to do a fast together. And use the time that you would have spent eating or snacking or smoking or drinking coffee or whatever the thing is that you'll give up. Um, and take that time and maybe, maybe pray. That's probably the best thing you can do while you're fasting, is to use the time that you would have spent eating or doing something else in prayer. So it's very simple. I'd like you to look through this booklet and uh, to do a Thursday fast of some kind. And I'll remind you of that this week via email um, and by Facebook and stuff like that if you, if you follow us on Facebook. Um, so a very simple response. Artisan is like a tree in a pot. And uh, for the next few weeks, we're going to talk about getting that pot into the ground, into the soil, where it can be deeply rooted. So let's pray together. Thank you, God, that in your word we find such simple ideas. Love one another. And such simple metaphors, trees. 
And we pray that uh, you would take us by the power of your spirit from the simplicity of those ideas to the difficulty of putting them into practice. And specifically today, Lord, we beseech you, like the song says, we ask you to provide for us that, that through the generosity and sacrifice of, of people in this room and beyond, that you would allow Artisan Church to become deeply rooted, to build on our calling, to be a community that encounters you and embraces people and engages culture in the way of Jesus, and that values awe and beauty and roots and community and justice. We pray that by your Spirit we would be here and our children and grandchildren would be here fulfilling that calling and building on it each day um, for years and years and years to come by your grace. It's in that grace that we stand and pray. Amen. The series is a little different right now, but our response to the Word of God is the same, and that is to come to the communion table. And... uh, If you're following Jesus in this place, this table is open for you. It will remain open for the rest of our time together. And uh, you can participate in this ancient sacrament uh, by tearing off a piece of this bread, representing Christ's body broken for you, and dipping it in either the wine or the juice, representing his blood shed for you and for many. Uh, And as you do that, as always, be reminded of your unity with each other and be reminded of the sacrifice that Jesus made and be nourished in your spirit by this means of grace which he's extended to you. Sometimes we're asked if children can take communion, and they can under the supervision of their parents. And so if you have children in our classroom and like to have them involved, you can go get them before you take communion. If you'd like for them not to be involved, that's okay too. Um, You can just get them after you take communion. But uh, as we often say, get them one way or the other. (laughs) Uh, We're going to worship God in song a little bit more this morning. And... um, This table will be open the whole time, so respond as you hear God's voice leading you 